Chapter Thirteen of Kilgloom Hark by Neil Boynton S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Thirteen, His Luckiest Bump. It was Tuesday evening, and Wish Craig's visit to Kilgloom Park was drawing to its unwelcome close. In the morning, he had to take the express for Washington and Wish had not the slightest desire of seeing his native city so soon. He had already lengthened his visit from two to seven weeks, and his Aunt Polly's orders were imperative. It was Angelo Daly who suggested that he would go with Wish and see the fireworks off the boardwalk. "'I haven't seen them all season,' explained Angelo. "'That's the worst of living on Coney Island. You never have time to see anything.' "'Neither have I. Come on, it's almost dark,' G.T. put in. Cap won't need me any more tonight. Come on, Wish. All three of us will go. The boardwalk will have a cool breeze this hot night. Then it will be the only place on the island where I want to sleep. Gosh, G.T., it has been hot all day. I have a better idea, fellows. G.T. brightened. We'll see the fireworks and then pay a visit to Steeplechase. It was agreeable to all three, and the boys drifted down to the main entrance. Here under the electric light-studded glare they found Captain Daly. Gladly he gave the boys permission to go. Be back by 1 a.m., was the one command of Captain Daly. The trio cut across Surf Avenue and took the nearest street to the boardwalk. Wish observed, Do you know what, G.T.? Since I have been at Coney, I have noticed one thing. What's that? The Coney Island parents have their own custom for putting their children to bed. It seems to me down here at Coney, the unwritten law is that babies in arms must be in bed by 11, children under 5 by midnight and the rest any time before 3 a.m. G.T. laughed. You are not far from the truth, especially in summertime. They had come up the ramp and were on the broad boardwalk, Coney's pride and boast. Its million or so of lights blazed yellowly. Way to the east, where the glare of Brighton Beach, and to the west, where the boardwalk bent, was the greater glare of Steeplechase Park. Off to the velvety south, which knew were the waters of the Atlantic Ocean. Look there! G.T. pointed to the dark southern horizon. If you watch close, you will see a flash. There it goes. Know what that is? No. That's Sandy Hook. Then, said Wish, all the big boats from Europe, or anywhere, must pass before Coney, on their way into New York Harbor. Yes, sir. We are on the front doorstep of New York Harbor. Angela put in. I came up from Norfolk once, and we steamed in at night. Believe me, Coney Island looked good from that deck. I don't doubt it. This from Wish Craig, who was watching the regular flash from the famous lighthouse, miles to the south. You know, fellows, that light reminds me of a friend down in Washington. His nose is sort of bent, like the boardwalk here, and his hair is sandy-colored, so the fellows call. I bet they call him Sandy Hook, exclaimed Angela. That's his nickname, and it's one of the best I ever heard given a fellow. Where are these free fireworks to be? Come along. They send them up from a barge anchored this side of the steeplechase pier. But the beauty of the boardwalk is that it bends, and about half a million people can have grandstand seats, or rather, grandstand stands along the rails in the beach. There must be most of that half million along the boardwalk tonight, said Wish in admiration. I never knew there were so many people in the world till I came to Coney for a visit. Oh, Angelo waved his hand in a deprecating gesture. This crowd is fair, but I should not call it large for Coney Island. You should try to walk the boardwalk on a Sunday afternoon. Then you know what it was to swim against a strong current. Well, 
put in G.T. Let's swim against the current a bit and get nearer to the steeplechase pier. That's the best place to see the fireworks, and we can drop into the chase after the pinwheel exhibition is over. There is just one thing troubling me now, G.T., said Wish. What's that? That I can't get my mind off the disagreeable fact that tomorrow I must take the old air-conditioned train back to Washington. I never knew Coney was so lovely till my hours are numbered here. I wish Aunt Polly would decide to move to Coney and open a concession or something, then. Then you'd get used to it, asserted Angelo, pushing his way through the crowd. The other two followed. They stopped at a hot corn concession and attempted to purchase an ear piece. But the concessionaire was an old employee of Kilgland Park, and the boys' coins were refused. At work on these hot refreshments, they resumed their way along the bright light of sea walk. When they came to the steeplechase pier, the three left the boardwalk and strolled out on the pier. The music and the murmur of the raucous shouts of the barkers, and the murmurs of the multitudinous patrons of the nation's playground, grew fainter. The cool lapping of the waves against the piers was audible and soothing. A delightful breeze struck their faces. The three sat on a pier head and looked back toward Coney Island. Oh, this from Wish Crag, why, it's beautiful! Indeed, the panorama of the half-moon that was Coney was a soothing sight. From Norton's Point to Manhattan Beach, the western and the eastern end of the famous island, the greatest arc of a circle met their gaze. Electric lights like fish life in the tropics blazed out and blended and reflected against the dark blue ceiling of the August evening sky. The towers and minarets of the many amusement buildings were outlined in blazing bulbs. Gigantic signs proclaimed their wares. One nearby sign in particular told the Atlantic Ocean that here was Steeplechase Park. The boys sat silent under the spell that this nightly transformation of Coney worked in their breasts. Even to the dailies, used to a close-up of the island life, this was a rare sight. To Wish Crag, a stranger from the Southland, it was like a view of the main entrance into Fairyland. Their silence was broken by the hiss of an ascending rocket. The bi-weekly grand firework display had begun. The boys raced back to the boardwalk to get a better view. For the next forty-five minutes, the trio watched the explosions and the colored fires against the great background of the Atlantic's night sky. Bombs crashed, rockets zoomed and flared, set-pieces smoked and blazed forth. When Angela was not voicing his whoopees of admiration, Wish and G.T. were uttering theirs. Then the last bomb skyrocket mushroomed out in rays of trailing yellow lace, and it was a velvety night sky they were gazing up at. This time it seemed blacker, and they noticed the stars. Regretfully, G.T. climbed down from his perch and called, Come on, you stargazers. We have to be back by 1 a.m. That's right, said Angela maliciously. Wish wants to get in his beauty sleep before he takes that Washington Express. Wish Crag made a dive for this small reminder of the morrow's unwelcome duty, and Angelo almost slipped off the boardwalk, but he recovered himself at the edge, dodged like a deer, and ran on ahead of the two older boys. At the boardwalk entrance to brilliantly illuminated Steeplechase Park, G.T. nodded to the ticket-taker, and to Wish's amazement passed his two companions through the turnstiles. "'Gosh!' exclaimed Wish. I can't get over the way you dailies get everything on this island, rides and eats, free. If I went up to a strange ticket-taker and kept nodding at him, that's what I'd stay doing till he called a cop. Oh, Tommy and I are old friends, G.T. explained. He worked two seasons ago at Kilgloom. Come on up to the offices while I get combination tickets for all of us. The three boys walked slowly through the steeplechase pavilion, by the flying turns, and the dance floor. 
In the center of the big enclosed building, they stopped for a moment. Mentally, G.T. and Angelo were estimating the size of the crowd milling around the attractions and comparing them with the corresponding crowd of patrons in their dad's park. But wish Craig was using his eyes as he did annually at Ringling Brothers' Barnum and Bailey Circus, where too many interesting sights were offered at the same time. The whirling couples on the dance floor, the elderly riders on the most magnificent golden and mirror carousel he had ever seen, the undignified descent of old, middle-aged, and young patrons on the various slides, all these demanded his distracted attention. A roar from the crowd across the way sent the boys on a run in that direction. They wormed their way as only boys can, through the packed humanity, and came out where they could see all. Before them, seated in rows as in a theater, was an audience of hundreds. Their attention was on a stage. It represented a street before a sanatorium, as such would be represented in a current musical comedy. G.T. explained, That stage is really the exit from the steeplechase horses. All the riders must cross it to get out. Watch the funny surprises that await them. He joined in the general laughter as several youthful patrons came into view, stepped on a trick floor that sank like an elevator. The patrons shrieked and grabbed for a lamp post. It proved to be a rubber. They recovered their balance, and a dwarf clown and a rube clown directed them to a passageway out. No sooner had they stepped on this floor than it began to wobble. More shrieks. Twin piles of barrels swayed threateningly over the luckless patrons' heads, and with shrieks they fled under the huge figure of an elephant to the safety of an exit. Angelo told Wish, You watch that dwarf. See, he has that stick. Well, it has an electric charge in the end, and, see, he never misses a boy. Sometimes he lets the others go by, but he never misses a boy. I know the way to dodge him, though. How? asked Wish, laughing at the frantic efforts of more steeplechase riders to escape some of the surprises that lurked in all quarters of that stage exit. I'll show you when we come from the horses, promised Angelo, grinning in anticipation. Let's get some comps and be doing the attractions. G.T. called across to his brother and Wish. Back out of this crowd and I'll meet you outside. He backed and so did the other two boys. When there's a crowd in this amusement park, that is the most attractive spot. You notice over here in Steeplechase, the management makes the public amuse themselves. Over at Kilgloom, most of the amusement devices do the amusing. Which is the better plan? Wish wanted to know. I don't know. Both pay and that's sufficient declared G.T. When the boys came to the steeplechase executive offices, one of the owners called out to him. Hello, Kilgling Park. What are you doing over here in rival territory? Always looking for ideas, Mr. Tillyou, but just at present, G.T. grinned, we'd like to put you back three combination tickets and enjoy ourselves. The park is yours, G.T. Get them from Jimmy at the window. Thanks. G.T. explained to Wish as they walked away. There are 50 attractions on each ticket. The number of this ticket corresponds to the number of each attraction. Which is the number of the lunch counter? Wish grinned. That's the next attraction I went to visit. It is not there or the chase would be bankrupt. I heard that Mr. Tillyou we were just talking to, telling Captain some time ago, that one afternoon an east side lady with seven kids came into the chase office and demanded the same information. She wanted a square meal of peace as one of the fifty attractions for fifty cents. Well, she didn't get it, but here's the lunch counter. Squat, fellows. All sat on stools and ordered coffee and apple pie. 
Again, the concessionaire would take no money from the Kilgallen Park boys. Then they began a systematic tour of the park. They sat back to back on the roulette wheel and were whirled off into padded pockets. They boxed the many compasses on the soup bowl. The razzle-dazzle next demanded their attention, and they swayed and circled on that attraction. Still dizzy, they staggered over to the gorgeous carousel and hooked rings as they passed them. Wish missed the golden one that would have entitled him to another free ride. The dodgem was next sampled, where each rode in a small auto. The deliberate collisions proved to any watcher that all three should be deprived of an operator's license for life. Then the slides were in order, and one after another were slid. Bumping the bumps and hitting the pipe, and the down and out were tried and found thrilling. Angelo led the way to the amusement device that gave its name to this big Coney Island park. The boys climbed to the starting platform, and each boarded his wooden horse that ran on a grooved track. At G.T.'s request, he knew the starter. The three had the horses to themselves for a special race. The mechanical horses were slid down the short track, and then, being caught by dogs, were carried up parallel inclines to the real starting point. Here released from the climbing chain, the horses started the almost half-mile-long steeplechase. Gravity drove the horses up and down, over water jumps and around curves. Angelo and G.T., more experienced steeplechasers, knew how to lean forward on the upgrade, and so gained inches on wish. But the Washington boys soon caught the knack, and recovered lost ground at the next rise. So it was at the start of the home stretch along the entire eastern side of Steeplechase Park. The three horses and their excited jockeys raced neck and neck, and neck and neck they dashed into the last hundred feet. Here G.T. and Angelo gained a yard by shifting their weight at just the right moment, and their two horses left Wish a fair third. G.T., with his superior weight, managed to cause his horse to creep several inches ahead of Angelo's steed. So, breathless from shouting and shrieking, they finished in that order. Wish was not satisfied with the race, and demanded another try. Still disputing, the boys came down the ramp to the exit. All unsuspecting, Wish was maneuvered to come out on the stage between G.T. and his grinning younger brother. Wish would have started back when he saw the expectant audience, but a push from Angelo propelled him violently forward onto the floor that vibrated. While he was trying frantically to keep his balance, Wish saw the dwarf clown directly ahead. His baton was waving, and in a high, creaky voice he was ordering Wish to step lively. Wish was doing that untold. Then he felt a strong grip on his arm. He turned to see Angelo clinging to him. Let go! Lean on yourself! he expostulated as he vibrated and waddled from side to side. Suddenly Angelo gave Wish a push that sent him almost into the arms of the dwarfish clown and dodged beyond reach of that electric charge stick. Alas, Wish was within range and he jumped as the electric switch tapped him. Ouch! he yelled and fled after the laughing G.T. and Angelo. The latter kept a prudent distance between himself and his guest till he explained, You asked me, Wish, to show you how to dodge that electric stick the dwarf carries, and I did. Now you'll know next time. You'll know what an electric shock I carry here, threatened Wish Crag as he shook his fist at the small Coney Islander. But the truce was declared, and the three boys rode the steeplechase horses five times more, as gusts of the management. The last race was the only one Wish won, and he promptly decided to rest on his laurels. Come on, you dailies, let's have one more try at a slide, and then... And then it's back to Kilgloom Park and you're caught, G.T. informed his guest, 
you need your beauty sleep so as to be fresh to start up for washington in the morning oh why did you bring that up moaned wish together the boys turned towards the bump the bumps the big broad steep slide that ended in a rimmed hardwood bowl they climbed to the top from which coin they had a bird's eye view of the interior of the immense steeplechase pavilion soon tiring of this light-studded vista of amusement seekers the trio sat at the head of the slide start together challenged gt and i'll beat you both to the bottom better than that i'll give you a head start shrilled angelo and be out of the bowl before you wish gt edged too far over and started to slide down the rolling incline go commanded angelo wish pushed off and was sliding rapidly after gt bump 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 he rose and lifted over the curved obstructions on the slide then Wish was veering rapidly around the circular chute at the bottom of the slide and dropping into the bowl. He missed G.T. by the fraction of an inch. Angelo had lost his balance, and so made the descent on his back, his arms and legs waving frantically like an upturned black beetle, as he tried in vain to right himself. Still on the broad of his back, Angelo took the curved turn and shot into the bowl. The next instant his right foot hit something. There was a muffled, ouch of earnest pain from wish crag and the two boys came to a stop at the bottom of the bowl in an interlocking puzzle of legs and arms angelo fell back and wish put his hand to his eyes g t who had grabbed the rope and was lifting himself out of the bowl slid down and helped the damaged wish to his feet what's the matter that young brother of yours must have horseshoes on at least that's the way one of them felt when it hit me Solicitously, Angelo pushed, and G.T. pulled, wished out of the bowl of the bump the bumps. Once more on the floor of the steeplechase pavilion, Dailies examined Wish's injured eye. "'Nothing missing,' reported Angelo in a relieved voice. "'But, Wish, you are going to have one dream of a sunset around that left eye in the morning.' "'I'm afraid Angelo is right. Tough luck,' commiserated G.T. "'Tough nothing,' asserted Wish Crag. Angela has done me one real good turn. How is that? Don't you see I will be in no shape to travel by train to Washington in the morning, and so I have a legitimate excuse for telegraphing my Aunt Polly and telling her I can't really come home yet. Ioom, Ioom! Twin tiger yells greeted this undoubted fact. The boys wended their way along Surf Avenue back to Kowloon Park, and Wish's optic was all the time fulfilling the rosiest expectation of its owner and friends. Mother Daly gave it first aid, and Angela called into the room G.T. and Wish shared. Say, you know something? No, what? This from Wish stretched comfortably out on his cot. That bump the bump over at the steeplechase was well named, for it gave Wish his luckiest bump. Night. And Angela fled just in time to miss Wish's pillow by less than a fraction of an inch. End of chapter 13 Recording by Maria Therese